Good morning. Everyone looks so well rested today. Because of this extra hour of sleep we all had, nobody has any excuses to fall asleep during the homily. Amen. You can't say, oh, Father, I didn't get enough sleep last night. Liar. Huh? <laughs> Liars. Just two brief announcements before we get into the homily this morning. Uh, two groups I'll ask you to support today. Of course, the Knights of Columbus, as we do every month, for the first weekend of the month, we have our pancake breakfast and such. And so please support the Knights of Columbus. They do tremendous work here at our parish. So please support the Knights of Columbus. And then secondly, I'm sure you saw the olive wood religious articles there. A family from the Holy Land are here. And it kind of makes me sad a little bit, because as you know, we were supposed to go as a parish to the Holy Land. In fact, I'm not supposed to be here this weekend. I'm supposed to be in Israel with 68 other parishioners. Then, of course, when the, when the war broke out, we had to cancel everything, so all of us are a little sad this weekend because uh, our trip got canceled, but pales in comparison to the suffering, of course. So it's, again, despite our, our sadness, it doesn't compare to the suffering of the people, so we'll, we'll take it. But essentially, because of all the pilgrimages that have shut down in Israel, many of the Christian families that rely on tourism for their trade have been suffering as well because their livelihood now is at stake. And so anything we can do to support the Holy Land because all of those articles there are, are made in Bethlehem by many of them Christian families and that's how they support themselves. So anything you can do, one little way, that helps go towards the support of our brothers and sisters there during this horrific conflict. And we pray for a swift end as well. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Last night, this church here was packed. We had the adult confirmations, adults from all over the diocese, from mostly the southern half of the diocese. Remember, the Diocese of Sacramento, we cover practically all of Northern California. We have about 104 parishes, and so majority of the parishes in the southern half of our diocese were here. We confirmed 72 adults. Bishop Soto was present. This church was full. Probably, the, we were filled to capacity. So nearly, probably 700 people were jam-packed like sardines in this church. And yes, it was hot in here. So the remnants of the body heat is still felt in here. It's a little warm. That's why. But it was beautiful to see Bishop Soto and as each young adult came forward, and they were given the gift of the Holy Spirit. It was a beautiful sight to see, especially as your priests, to do that. Because part of our great ministry, whether it was Bishop Soto last night or as just your, your regular priests, we're called to be spiritual fathers. And that's the heart of the readings today. Did you hear the beautiful readings from the, from the book of Malachi, to the letter of Paul to the Thessalonians? And in the readings today, there's a theme of parenthood all throughout. Because what is the heart of being a parent? Not only spiritual parents, but of course biological parents here, but to give life. That's the heart of parenthood. 
And part of being, whether you're a mother or a father, there are always two phrases that should be, that should roll off the tongue like butter for us parents. The first phrase that should be easy off our, out of our mouths is, I love you. Oh, that should be strong and resounding out of us as, as parents to those we are in charge of. I love you. And the second is related to it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You know, as fathers or as biological parents, we bear a tremendous responsibility, don't we? We're called to give life and to raise up healthy, strong, children, or you are my spiritual children, but then what happens? Human weakness. You know, none of us sets out to be horrible mothers or fathers. None of us intend to do that, but we all make mistakes, don't we? So that's why it's it's so beautiful to hear in families when the words, I am sorry, is commonplace. Because as beautiful as our families are, we're all weak. And so as your pastor, as your father, if I've done anything, I'll take this opportunity now to apologize. We try to make the best decisions we can, but again, through not enough insight or my own human weakness or I'm tired that day or whatever and I'm a little short with you or whatever the case may be. I'm sorry. Jesus in the gospel is speaking to this tendency of fathers failing. Jesus, speaking to the crowds, he's speaking to the scribes and Pharisees, and he says here, listen, this is profound, he says, the scribes and the Pharisees have taken their seat on the chair of Moses. What what does that phrase mean? Well, Moses was a great teacher. He was a father of the the Israelite people. And so whenever you speak of the word chair, it always in relation to the teaching authority of Moses which is directly related to why, if you go to a cathedral in our diocese, of course, our cathedral is in Sacramento, that word cathedral comes from the Latin word cathedra, which simply means chair, because Bishop Soto has the authority to teach, just like every other father or parent has the authority and the responsibility to teach their children. And so, same thing with Moses and Bishop Soto, and by extension, Myself. They've been given the chair of Moses, this teaching responsibility, an immense responsibility. But then now notice there, and every parent in here knows this line. Do and observe all the things, whatever they tell you, but do not follow their example. Oh, how many conversations have we had, especially with teenagers, this line? Do as I say, not as I do. Why? Because as we all know, we all make mistakes, and we've learned from our mistakes, and we constantly keep making mistakes, but the fact remains, 
We must exercise this authority with humility, mindful of our weakness. And then Jesus now gets in and he starts to criticize these failing fathers who widen their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels, who love places of honor and banquets and seats of honor and synagogues and marketplaces. You see, they've fallen, these fathers here have fallen into the trap of worshiping honor. Remember how I, I always say this a lot of my homilies, there's always four substitutes of God that Samus of Thomas Aquinas lays out, and it's, it's so true for us. The four always temptations we tend to put too much love in is always money, power, pleasure, and honor. And he's criticizing the fourth one, honor. Because these fathers, instead of now teaching who's in, who are, they're in charge of, they prefer the benefit of authority. And they've begun to love it too much. And so now he criticizes them. You have but one teacher, and you're all brothers. Call no one on earth your father, for you have one father in heaven. Do not be called master, but you have one master, the Christ. Now, it's precisely here at this moment where some of you may have wondered, wait a minute, if Jesus is telling me here, call no one on earth your father, father, why do we call you father? And this is a key point here, because Jesus is using a rabbinic technique. Because oftentimes, for many non-Catholics, they'll, they'll take this Bible verse of Matthew 23 and they'll say, see, Catholicism is unbiblical. How are we to respond to that accusation? And this is a perfect technique or perfect opportunity for us to speak about what we call, whenever we read the Bible, exegesis. Biblical exegesis. It is the, is the proper interpretation of a certain text. And whenever you get in a conversation with anybody, especially about the heart of sacred scripture, one of the main principles of understanding a specific text is to first of all understand what is the context. See, that's a key biblical principle. What is the context of any scripture verse? Because we could keep lobbying Bible verses at each other like grenades. And especially when you talk to somebody who was non-Catholic, they'll start launching Bible texts at you. But we have nothing to be afraid. Because the question now becomes, and one key principle of biblical exegesis, is what is the context of this? Or another way of putting it, think of the Bible as a big house a big house with many rooms. And whenever somebody takes one Bible verse and attempts to try to disprove something in Catholicism, it's essentially like taking out a piece of lumber from that house and, say, and holding up the lumber saying, look. But then no. If the Bible is indeed a big house, we must always look at the house as a whole, not just that single piece of wood. And so now we must begin. Did Jesus here in this context mean you cannot call your priests father. 
In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, St. Paul says this, For I have become your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. St. Paul himself, who was probably the greatest evangelizer of Christianity, uses the term father when referring to himself. Why? But didn't just Jesus just tell us a few verses before not to call anybody on earth father, and yet St. Paul here himself refers to him as father? Or jump to Acts. And by the way, if you grab the pastor's desk, all of the scripture references are here, conveniently. In Acts chapter 7, verse 2, It's the story of St. Stephen. St. Stephen is the first martyr of Christianity. And before he was stoned, he's preaching to the crowds. And he says this. Brothers and fathers, listen. The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. So here's St. Stephen, the first Christian martyr who uses the term father to address the spiritual leaders of Israel. And then he refers to Abraham and he says, our father Abraham. So immediately when we take with biblical exegesis this context, what does it mean? It becomes clear that Jesus did not mean you cannot call anybody on earth your father, otherwise St. Stephen, St. Paul are all violating that commandment. Exegesis, context, is key. So what is Jesus doing here? He's going to these corrupt, failing fathers and he's using hyperbole, which was common in first century rabbinic teaching. Do not call anybody on earth your father. Well, obviously we use the word father. But do not call anybody else on earth your master. But we use that word master all the time. Do not use that word rabbi, which simply means teacher. We use that word all the time. But rather what Jesus here is speaking about, their tendency for these failing fathers to uplift their ego even above God. And using hyperbole, he teaches them You have one Father in heaven, even though your earthly fathers have fallen into human weakness. In Matthew 5, earlier, he uses this technique. Remember when the Lord himself says, if your right eye causes you to sin, do you remember what our Lord said? Pluck it out. If your right arm causes you to sin, you remember what our Lord said? Cut it off. Are we to take Jesus literally here? Obviously, no, but he's emphasizing a point. Do whatever you can not to sin. The key here, whenever we're challenged by somebody who was non-Catholic and they're throwing Bible verses at us, remember, Using proper context to understand a Bible verse is key. Jesus comes to reveal the true face of our Heavenly Father.
And he uses us broken people to try to convey that. But even though all of our human weaknesses, we're still family. And part of being a family is always remembering those two phrases. I love you, and I'm sorry.